Hello and welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. We're back, baby. We're back, Free Lotus. Don't get upset <laughs> by that. <laughs> right. Coming off a Patreon-exclusive episode last week, and we're back at it, ready to go this week. We got a tale of twisted sisters this week. Oh, right? Have we not heard of this? Some of the most sadistic serial killers in Mexican history, I think, bar none, right? Oh, yeah, man. This is. I don't know who you can dig up. Maybe some kind of cartel. The body count of this one is appalling, really. But I guess if you divide it out between the sisters, it's not as bad. They're not as prolific if you, you know, when there's four of them and then you divide up the death toll, it's still a lot per person. I was about to say, we're talking over 100. I was about to say, it could be around 120. You're talking 30 30 kills each. (laughs) That's still like Bundy esque if you divide it up. (laughs) But really, it was more the work of two sisters than than four. Well, there's always the masterminds. Midway through, and the other one moved away. Like mm-hmm. made her money, made right. her pesos, and ran off. See, that's so. that's the smart way to do it, right? If you get brought up in this stuff and you have no choice, maybe you're the younger sister and you're kind of going along with it so you don't get killed or whatever, you make your money and then you dip, right? Once you got yeah, your Yeah, she still ended up in prison, so. Well. Because she was there for a lot of, she was there for 10 years of it, so. Mm, yeah, I think, you, I think you deserve prison time for that, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, this story is, uh. It seems like it seems like something out of a, a horror fiction novel, but this is this is all real. It, it almost had like a cult vibe, but it's really not a cult because the the young women that were in, you know brought in were this was totally against their will. This is not. Oh yeah, this like, is like some, some. It's like some American horror story shit right here, but I mean Mexican yeah. horror story shit. Yeah, yeah, this is terrible. Yeah. But you ready to get into it? We are. Yes, let's let's do it. The story of the Las Pocianchis, and we're gonna butcher a lot of. Uh, Hispanic names and uh, Mexican names and territories and just that's get right. ready for that. But we're pretty sure on Pocahontas, though. I think that's that's pretty good pronunciation right there. I, you got, yeah. I tried to really make sure I got that one right because it's going to be the title of the episode. Right, that makes sense. But who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you can have it hard or easy, but you will fear the Pocahontas. You can have it hard or easy, but you will fear the Pocahontas. There's no such thing. There's just predator and prey. It's the only way, the way we're taught, and it's the way it'll stay. We don't believe in God. We rule here. Those Pokianchis, there's no leaving here. You do what you're told. No share of the gold. You do what you're told, and you will never grow old. The charade runs deep. Your future starts to deplete. Forced to do the unthinkable, you arrive with hope unsinkable. But the sisters have a way of making poison drinkable. You'll lap it up until you're on your knees. You can have it hard or easy, but you will fear the Pokianchis. You can have it hard or easy, but you will fear the Pokianchis. You can have it hard or easy, but you will fear the Pocahontas. All right, our case this week is the Las Pocahontas. Nailed it. A a group of four sisters in Mexico that uh, became some of the most terrifying and prolific serial killers in history. It's believed that between 1945 and 1964, they committed around 150 murders, although the official number... Of victims was 91. However, there was a, another pit found with many bodies, uh, many skeletons in it after their uh, conviction. Years later. After they were put in, yeah, many years so, later, there was another pit found on their property. So in theory, someone could have just buried a bunch of bodies there and thought, even if even if these yeah. get found, uh, <laughs> it'll just get attributed, yeah, it'll get to, attributed them. to them. That's a good, 
that's a that, you know what that's a good system yeah because i mean what are the chances you don't find a whole pit of bodies at the time you're excavating all of the land you find 91 but you don't find another pit of 20 i feel like i would keep looking and the sisters at that point knew the jig was up and they were walking around yeah. pointing out the areas where the bodies were so it's not like they had anything to hide right at that why point. not just build the story the lore whatever at that point maybe this is another episode in the making michael maybe this was another serial killer that you know decided to dump the, the bodies on their oh property and, and let them take the blame what have for we it. stumbled upon mm. i know right we need to dig deeper right <laughs> even if it is 91 which was the official number that's appalling and oh yeah it's devastating enough and it sucks though that it's 91 because when murders get this high it almost takes it, a level of corruption right for it to get that high because like man you can't fly under the radar with 91 no victims. doubt no doubt that's that's one point for sure but it also takes a lot of emphasis off of the victims which sucks in a case like this we have no information yes, on victims sure. whatsoever and because the number is so there was high, a famous quote from a historian i think uh, it was like or it might have been who was it Anyways, there's a famous quote from history. I'm sure someone will let us know, but it was, "One death is a tragedy. A million deaths is a million deaths is a statistic." Yes. And that's you get to a number where, yeah, it just kind of you can't put a, to, a ton of focus on 91 different victims in an episode of a podcast. Right. It's just not enough time, or in anything. That's why they get lost to history. Yeah. I mean, no, there is no yeah. medium for that. I mean, no, I don't know. You could focus on certain ones, I guess. You know, certain stories that stood out. But even then, it's like, good luck finding information on any of those. Yeah, well, there's also, yeah, in this case in particular, there's a, a certain lack of detail to the actual specific crimes themselves. We have modus operandi. We have, you know, how they were acquiring these mm -hmm. victims and how they were killing them and all that. But we don't get, you know, specific details on, you know, individual victims and right. things like and that. And again, it's, that can be contributed to the high number count. You know, it's like they had such an obvious modus operandi because they had 91 victims that it's not, mm -hmm. there's no point in going through every single individual crime because, like, you get the point. And now we are going to give some very specific, uh, hard to hard to hear examples of crimes that they committed. Like, don't get it twisted. They're, this is We are going to go into the detail about that, but we just don't know mm -hmm. what individual victims suffered these consequences, right? Yeah. So let's get into it and get ready for some uh, some of me stumbling through these pronunciations. But We got this. Yeah. So born in Arapatau. Well, maybe not. <laughs> right off maybe the bat. How, do you, how would you uh, say that one? Hmm. Irapuato. 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 Yeah. In the state of Guanato, uh, the Gonzalez sisters, Delfina, Maria de, Z de Jesus, Carmen, and Luisa, mm -hmm. Grew up in a poor, broken home with a violent father and a very religious mother. Oh, this mother. is going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. Right. This, this doesn't lead out. to any serial killers ever. Violent? No. I mean, <laughs> right? This, this can't be a bad concussion. It really shouldn't be a shock. They turned out the way they it, did. Yeah. It's really not all their fault, in hindsight. <laughs> you know what? Something I never really considered, but when it comes to the, the parents of serial killers, it seems like a lot of times the two parents are on totally ends of the, different ends of the spectrum, and that kind of... That rips at them. Maybe that confusion uh, on the child's part. Like, a lot of times you have one parent who's really religious, the other one is abusive. Or right. One is, like, completely just ignores the child, while the other one is overly overbearing. Yeah. Something along those lines, where they're not on the same... The parents are not on the same Exactly. Page. You know what's funny, though? In society, you know, we're told... You know, mainly by Paul Abdul and other pop culture uh, icons that opposites attract, right? Opposites attract. People say yeah, that all the right. time, and that it's is true. pretty true. I mean, there are a lot of ways. Yeah, me and my wife are very yeah, different. It, same thing with me and my wife. There's a lot of, in a lot of aspects, we are completely different, and I love that because I can still learn things from her. But we don't think about how that doesn't mean the parents can't get together, right? You right? Know, right? A right. couple and. And get on the same page with each other as far as how they're raising their kids. Me and my wife constantly have little powwows like, hey, I think we need to tweak this or that yeah. on how we're approaching this. You can't be inconsistent with them. One parent can't be saying one thing and the other one's saying something no different. No doubt. No doubt. And when, I think, when, but that's what I was saying. When you let those opposites interfere with the way that you parent and the way that you teach your children, yep. you know, you have to be on the same yep. page there or it can be extremely confusing. You're a team. You're a little team, basically. Yeah. You're raising kids. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you look at any kind of sports team or like even, uh, you know, the, your coworkers, if you kind of do a project together, you use your individual strengths, but you still have the same goal in mind. You're still trying to work together to get exactly. something done. Exactly. So their father, 
Isidro Torres would beat them up constantly and made them witness executions of prisoners since he worked as a policeman. Jeez, that's barbaric. He he was part of the he was part of the rural police in Mexico in charge of riding through towns and making sure that everything was okay. Um, and as we know, there's oftentimes corruption in those cities, and he often abused his power. Well, yeah, um, when his young because daughter, he's so far outside the cities, you know, there's no one really holding yeah. him accountable out there as this rural and this police. Was, I bet it's like. The 40s, 50s, and 60s, and it's like still pretty right. It's like one step up from um, a militia. Wild. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like these guys are. Yeah. I don't think because you can't really find that he was an actual cop. And then some articles were like he he works security slash police. And I'm like, what? some says he's a sheriff. Some said yeah. security. Yeah. Like, like, is like, he security? Or you know, you almost get like a, a Walker Texas Ranger type of feel from it. Right. right? It's it, it's pretty much like. Right. Uh, you know, I want to. I'll. I'll stand up for this town. I'll manage this town if no one else wants to do it. You know what I mean? I think. And I'll, by any means necessary, yeah. make it happen. Well, there's always perks that come with that, right? Being the authority, being the sheriff, there obviously, especially right. in these small towns, in the '60s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as we mentioned, he abused his power quite often. When his young daughters wore makeup or risque clothing not to his liking, he would lock them up in the town jail to teach them. Yeah, a that'll lesson. teach them. They definitely won't run <laughs> off next time. <laughs> That always works. Just lock him in a tower. Right. There you go. Right. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. I feel like shaming your, your daughters as a father, too, like that is going to definitely not... It's going to backfire. Yeah, it's going to backfire. They're going to maybe get to the point where they're going to start doing things just to, you know, bother you in right. that way. Like kill 91 people. <laughs> That's well, the worst. not so much that, but I mean... I hate it. <laughs> I was just kidding. I know, right? Oh my gosh! Didn't one of his daughters want to run happens. away? One of his daughters did run away, or tried to. One of his daughters did run away. Yeah. Um, so Carmen. Yeah. Carmen, uh, which I believe was the oldest, um, she attempted to run away with her boyfriend, and Isidro found them, beat her up, and locked her in jail again. That there we go. And on this occasion, he actually left her in jail as they left town because he kills someone. <laughs> so, oh. Um, shortly after Carmen tries to run away he, and he locks her up in jail, he shortly after that, he kills a man during an argument. And after killing that man, Isidro had too many enemies in this area and felt it was time to flee. So him, along with his wife, the girl's mother, um, they fled and relocated to the small village of San Pancho. And by doing so, they left Carmen in jail. Um, oh, that's Carmen, fucked up. I wonder if they forgot about her. <laughs> he was probably like, there's no way you just forget your daughter. No, I think he, he nah. just left her there to prove a point or I yeah. don't know. But it didn't work out because she's apparently just like him. Yeah. Right. She's stubborn as well. She <laughs> yeah. would end up escaping jail with one of a uh, fellow inmates and dropped the Valenzuela last from her last name. So it was Valenzuela Gonzalez. All the girls, uh, they had that hyphenated last name. Right. And she would drop the Valenzuela uh, going by just Gonzalez to avoid her father following this. From wow. here, she would, would go too. on to... Yeah, right? I mean, damn, he left you in another town in jail? <laughs> yeah, and he, and he was always an abusive out. piece of shit father anyway, so... Right, exactly. Exactly, yeah. fuck that guy. She would later be reunited with her sisters and start this new industry of, you know, bringing in young girls and selling them and uh, killing them and more on that. But she, yeah. for now, escapes from jail and she would open a, a liquor store to make ends meet with her then-boyfriend, um... And that would go on for a little while until the parents would die. The sisters' parents, Isidro and their mm -hmm. mother, they would die, and they would inherit a small sum of money. And they, together with that money, the sisters would reunite, and they would open a saloon in San Pancho. And this bar, although it did not bring in tons, tons of money, it gave them enough to eat, and they would get by. And then they would start right. learning. They would start learning how things work. That's right. Now they become business owners. Now they're in the community. Now mm -hmm. they're working with law enforcement. This is when they start to build the empire right here. I wonder if there was a bit of those connections because their father was in law enforcement, if they'd met some you know, corrupt policemen and it kind of helps um, them when they start these businesses. Well, I'm not sure once they moved to San Pancho if their father was in law enforcement anymore. I think he yeah, kind of laid low once they got out there. And this saloon is actually in San Pancho, so they yeah. probably yeah, had kind of a clean slate at this yeah. point. But well, they okay, so maybe they, they didn't like have connections, though. but they yeah they knew how shit worked. They knew there was a lot of corruption within law enforcement at this time. Right, right, and, and so they they're also selling alcohol, something that's always going to be a hot right. item. 
Especially you know during the you know the time period, fifties. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's still hot now. <laughs> yeah. So they would acquire bar permits from corrupt officers, which they would offer free sexual services to. Um, soon they would venture into a much more profitable industry, though, sex work. Mm. The sisters would once again bribe local officials with money, or the sisters would bribe them with sex. Nevertheless, they opened the clandestine brothels in San Francisco, Del Rincon, um, and in Leon, and in Guanato. Uh, so they, they started opening these brothels basically all over the place. Like yeah. In cities all over Mexico, they start opening these brothels. And they're um, just outside. All these cities that they're opening them in are just outside Mexico City. So they're like yeah. in the perfect spot. They're not in Mexico City and having to abide by all those re- guidelines and restrictions or whatnot. Yeah. They're like on the outskirts, buying and, and trading their way with local law enforcement there. <laughs> it's, pretty, yeah. it's pretty incredible what they built. Mm-hmm. And they would... Uh, they they came up with this system where they would have partners in charge of searching for teenage girls. And this would be the girls that would work in their brothels. These girls would be from 12 to 15 years old and they would find them either on local farms or in the street. Um, they would, they would have their, their partners go out and prowl the countryside, hitting the nearby ranches of Guanato, uh, or venture into Jalisco or Michoacan states and look for the prettiest young girls. And they would offer them jobs. These girls were, you know, most of them came from poor families that were struggling. Oh, of course, and, of course. And that was part of the promise, you know, come make money for your family and then yep. you can feed your family by just being a waitress or a maid. Yeah, you know, exactly. There, no talk about the brothel nope. <laughs> in oh, the sales pitch. Not. You don't hit them with that right away. <laughs> no, that's in the fine print. That's the last page of the brochure, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, so they would offer them these jobs and, the, the, you know, these poor girls with dreams of life in the big city and money would be happy to oblige this was an offer that hadn't come to them before. They, you know, they, all they knew was life on their small farm with their family, and poverty. And you know, this is this is exciting. This is like you know, you're moving to Hollywood almost type of thing. Like you got well, discovered. It, this was exactly that's what I was just about to say. This was so exciting that some parents actually sold their daughters into this. Yeah. You know, whether or not they knew what their the fate of their daughter was going to you would be, hope it was not. just like I could provide for my whole family for like a year. <laughs> off right. of what they're giving me for my daughter. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, these, a lot of these Mexican families, they, they had larger families that were working farms and, like you said, living in smaller villages. That's, that's a big sum of money right there. You know, and yeah. you don't think that they're going to kill your daughter. <laughs> right. I mean... You oh, think, oh, we're getting, we're getting a sum of money for this and also she's going to be better off. She's right. You know, going to be working in the big city and whatnot. Right, exactly. And then she'll come back and tell us of her adventures and bring wealth and spread it throughout the family and change our, yeah. gen- you know, change our lineage. Yeah. Not the case. Yeah, so these, yeah, they, so they sent out these uh, business partners of them to, to discover these young girls. Other times, the Gonzalez sisters, with the help of an army captain and Delfina's lover, uh, Herman Gildo Zuniga, would simply snatch the young girls. So... You know, just just straight up abduct them from the streets or from a farm, if, right? You know, if they weren't able to convince them to come, and you have um, the local military helping you, so unbelievable, like, right? Who the That's hell is going to stand up corrupt. to you? Yeah, who's going to stand up to you at that point? Yep. And so, at their Guadalajara de Noche and Barca de Oro bars, the young girls would put, be put to work. The prettiest virgins were saved for later, awaiting patrons with fat wallets who would pay top pesos for untouched girls. So they would have them just basically working as waitresses and, you know, until, you know, the big money bags guys would come in and uh, then they would be offered up. Pretty. Yeah, and then they would kill the big money bags guys and take all their big bags of money. That's that's speculative, <laughs> but also probably true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that's true as well. Depending on who they are, obviously not well-connected government officials and whatnot, you know, let's not get yeah, carried yeah. away. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if any, it depends any on the circumstances. Schmo? If they were traveling through from you know a faraway city, and it was a bit of a bloody bender situation where they felt like they, they could they could whack the dude and no one would you know dude, know where is, he had ended up. Yep, that's the exact reference I was about to make. I mean, they were pulling a, a bloody benders type situation here. Instead of a bed and brex- breakfast, they're talking about a brothel in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, so as I mentioned, the, the prettiest young uh, virgin girls would be saved, but the others would be raped, intimidated, and showered with ice-cold water upon initiation when they would arrive. They would have to buy their clothes and makeup strictly from the Gonzalez sisters, and this would put them in a level of like indentured servitude, basically. They they had nothing. They were coming from these yeah. poor families, and so in order for you them to do their corrupt. jobs, they had to you know be dolled up, and of course, the Gonzalez sisters would provide them with this stuff, and then they would be basically indebted to them forever. Well, yeah, they would take the, they would pay these girls or whatever a small cut, and then they would have to give the money back to them to eat and have right. clothes. It's it's so sadistic. It's like the most mm-hmm. corrupt organization you could possibly be running. Yeah, you're basically enslaving people. Oh yeah, and then. I don't even know why they even bothered with that trade because it was so clearly that the girls were not allowed to leave that they were, you know, they were stuck there. Yeah, I know. I guess it's just tax reasons. Just look good on the books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're paying no these idea. girls. Yeah, they're 12, <laughs> but, you know, they're good oh, waitresses. Like, can you imagine? Like, it's just, it's bizarre, bizarre to even, like, think that it was allowed. Like, people were walking into bars where 12-year-old girls were serving drinks and whatnot. and right. Like, and they we're got not, away with it for as long as they did. That just shows you how much corruption there was, you know? That's right. And we're not talking about Wild West. We're not talking about 1800s. We're talking no, about 1950s 50s and, 60s. and 60s, y'all. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's insane how far So the girls uh, were held against their will. They were never allowed to go outside. They were controlled by the sisters. And Zuniga, the Black Eagle, Delfina's son, Ramon Torres El Tepo, also served as muscle, keeping the girls in line. So they had these two men... Uh, in their lives, you know, mm-hmm. uh, one of them being Delphina's son, and another one being one of the sisters' lovers, the Black Eagle, and right. they they were, you know, the muscle, but also they were like executioners to the girls because yeah. there was obviously a lot of bodies that start piling up, and um, they were also like um, enforcers to the mm-hmm. girls as well. It just depends, you yeah. know, whatever had to be done. Man, it's dark. It's dark. It's dark to think that like the sisters. Maybe most of the time they had like a pot, like a kind of a a good vibe around the young girls until they screwed up, and then they, I just picture them like giving a look to to one of these two evil bastards, you know, the Black oh, Eagle yeah. or El Tepo, and like, okay, she's out of here, that type of yep. thing. And that's it. And then they never find you because people yeah. don't even know where you are in the first place. Yeah, you know. And who do you go tell? Who do you go tell? That's the thing. No, you got. You, you can't, can't go tell the cops. You can't go tell the army. You can't go. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah, everyone's corrupt. Trap. You don't know who you can try and tell. Like there, That's was, right. there was one one uh, brave soul, one young girl escapes later on and does make it to authorities and actually is lucky enough to find, you know, a police officer or a police station that wasn't corrupt. And that's that's how this whole thing, this whole house of cards comes crumbling down. But yeah. Um that's later. So the way this this thing was going, though, one of, when one of the girls got pregnant, she would be beaten and forced to abort. The fetuses would be dumped in the backyards of the brothels or or buried at the sisters' main ranch that resembled a concentration camp. It was called Loma del Angel. So they had this just evil ranch where they were, you know, killing these young girls and, and burying them and burning their bodies. Uh, also, wow. if a girl got too sick due to malnourishment or an STD or... Uh, due to an impromptu abortion, she would be locked in a room, starved to death, or the other girls would be forced to beat her to death with sticks and heavy logs. See, this is where I'm just That's blown insane. away by the, the the evil that is going on. It's so unnecessary. Like, they have a very successful criminal enterprise going on here Apparently, using these young because- girls. But then why why the just sadistic nature of the way they treated these girls? I don't, that's the part I don't understand. They were just sick and twisted Fear, people. because they wanted to fear, invoke yeah. fear. They wanted to invoke so much fear that you would do whatever you want. If you could make innocent girls, 12 and 15-year-old girls, beat another girl to death, that is fear. They don't want to be that person. That's true. Then they stay in line because they don't want to be the one getting beaten next. Exactly. Like, imagine that. And then also, it kind of turns everyone against each other. It's like the peers on peers type thing. It's like... You know, it's it's like a tactic they still use in sports. Like, we've talked about it before. Like, okay, everybody's running again because of this guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then they just... And I, I bet you a lot of times these girls took it out on on each other. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because they had no one else. They had no power over anyone else. Yeah. It's such a trap. Nuts. Absolutely. It's hard to believe this was real. 
So the Black Eagle and the sister chauffeur handed the, handled the bodies, burning them to ashes or burying them in mass graves. Um, Johns with a lot of cash would also be murdered and their bodies buried and their cash stolen. We kind of alluded to that a little bit, a little bit of a, a bloody bender situation where I'm sure it depended on who the person was, how big of a, big of a deal he was, and how far right. away he came from. Like if if people were able to trace them back, then people might be after the sisters if they had some powerful friends. But right. I guess it just depended on the circumstances. You know what else I just thought about? You know, we alluded to the 91 bodies, but they burned a lot of them. Holy yeah. shit. How many did they burn that weren't accounted for? I think 100, 120 is is low, probably, for the victims yeah. in this place. Well, I mean, even if you burn a body, it's hard to get it to where there's nothing left. It, it takes a long time. Bones yeah, take a long I mean, time. Yeah, to, they to don't really have like an incinerator. They don't have an incinerator. No. Yeah, you're not talking, you know, a thousand degree... It's not fucking, cremation, like with, right? No. I got you. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, just burning bodies in a pit. It's gonna, t- yeah, it takes a long time. That's true. That's true. I think we learned that from the Dennis Nielsen episode, didn't we? Where he was trying to do that, like in his fucking Dennis Nielsen was burning them right, right there in the garden, man. Right there in the yeah. backyard. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. didn't give a shit. Just carried him out. Oh, hey, 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 how's it going? Just having another barbecue. Yeah, we're having tonight. a barbecue tonight, mate. Yeah, <laughs> come on come over. over and join if you like. <laughs> Hanging out in the garden. Yeah. So um, also young women who uh, disobeyed or tried to escape or rebel against the, gr- the sisters were tortured and killed. Um, the girls were considered old when they reached 25 years old. They were taken to a ranch where they would be locked up without food or water for several days at that point. Just imagine just being punished, being tortured and starved to death because you hit 25 years old. You know, you know what? I don't think they were trying to torture them or starve them to death. I think that was just to like get them off the floor. We'll deal with them later. And they didn't care if they died because they were gonna. When they got time, they were gonna kill them and dispose Why of them. Why waste resources on them at that point? If you're you exactly know, about the way they're they like, are. okay, they're done. Nobody likes them anymore. Whatever. They're Send twenty-five. Them out to pasture, basically. Exactly. Send them to wherever we hold them, and until we can dispose of them. You know, when I think about it, I'm like. The, the rich, quote-unquote rich people that they, they killed as well, I'm like, fuck them. I kind of feel that way because it's like they're basically pedophiles. Like they're if they're patrons of these brothels where there's 12, 13-year-old freaking yeah. slaves basically. And, and you know that. You sex. know that shit. Yes. You know exactly what you're going I to get no at that brothel. Getting whacked. True that. Whatever. Take them out, Black Eagle. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's the only good thing the Black Eagle was doing was killing those fuckers too. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, Salvador Bocanegra, aka the Executioner, worked also for the sisters, um, and he would allegedly kick them against a wall with a nail on many occasions. And then that is so uh, savage, bro. Oh, oh my god. Fuck. I've read that like three times before. I was trying to understand what what you wrote in the timeline. I was like, what do you mean kick them against the wall with the nail? Yeah. Oh my God! I see what you mean. So there's a giant nail sticking out of the wall, and he kicks him back against it. That's just right? so sick and twisted, man. What the fuck? Like literally out of a horror novel, right? Like you're like this. This can't be real. I mean, but th- as why know, would you not just shoot him? This is. I mean, you treat. Oh God! It's like you don't. Like they probably didn't want to waste the ammo. That's how sadistic these people were. Part of me hopes that they were this. A lot of this was just them talking shit, and like, because. Who knows what they did with the girls one on one when they, you know, took them to to like the, the execution part of the the farm? Yeah, they may have just shot them or killed them quickly, and then they were t- they were spreading these sadistic lies well, to the other girls to scare them. I'm hoping that's maybe what it was because we get this. I think we get most of this from, you know, the surviving girls that were you know recovered. Right. I think we. So who knows whether they witnessed some of this stuff like the nail on the wall or whether they were just told this like to okay. keep them in line i i think they definitely witnessed this stuff why wouldn't you well, supposedly them? were they were some of them were commissioned with beating other girls to death with sticks so right you know, i'm gonna lean that's towards most of this being true and that would also that's that in itself is another way to entrap them because it's like well look now you guys i have evidence that you guys murdered her you know all of you girls mur- killed her you murdered yeah, her physically. Fuck you though. Like if I'm on a jury and like you're trying to sit here and act like those girls are culpable yeah. and well, right. Like, you know that, but does a 12 and 15 year old girl know that? True, true. Doesn't matter, right? It just matters what they it believe. It just matters their perception. Like, oh my god, I killed somebody. I'm just as bad as these people. Maybe I deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. 
You see what I'm saying? It's a psychological game too. You don't entrap and kill that many people without playing some psychological games. You don't have enough muscle to take on to to hold all that. You know, with just two people and three sister two guys and three sisters like I just there was some psychological games going on here. And you're right. A lot of it could have been exaggerated yeah. on purpose. But but why, though? I, I feel like they don't have any reason. They, to if they were willing to do a lot of the stuff they actually did, you know, with the beating with sticks and stuff, then like, who's, who's Where do you draw the line? Gonna do the, yeah. Supposedly, yeah. also, Salvador, a.k.a. the executioner, would also bury girls alive, throw them off a roof or anything to get rid of them. Oh, just, I mean, we really, like, we don't typically put uh, like a disclaimer on our episodes, but we might want to like, you might want to throw one in Yeah. at the beginning yeah. of this one, because this one is extra brutal, like to considering these are young teen girls and. Yeah, that's true. This one is brutal. It, it's just, it eludes you because once the mentioning of their age is in most articles, it's once. And then when you read through the brutality that happened to these, to these young women, really. Yeah. You you forget that they were just kids, they're just yeah. children. I mean, like and did my oldest daughter's nothing. thirteen. They, they were literally and, taken away from their farms where their families and right Pro- promised a future. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's so sadistic in so many ways. Yeah. So many ways. Yeah. If there is a hell, man, there's a special place for these sisters. Yeah. Yeah. And for the men who were carrying out their fucking darkest parts of this farm, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, you think about it, though, it's like, what choice did, like, the son, one of them was the son, he was raised here. It's like, what do you, I don't know how you deal with someone like that. I don't know if there's any rehabilitation, but also it's like, he doesn't even know right from wrong. Yeah. <laughs> His world is so misconstrued. Mm-hmm. You know, those victims, and these girls were the same thing. They were raised in this world. They were raised in this, in this brutal, corrupt world with their father. Witnessing killings all the time. This was just normal. Finding the right program to help your child learn to read can be daunting. You have to find something that's both engaging and proven to get results. Hooked on Phonics has been the most trusted program to help kids learn to read for nearly 35 years, which is why I decided to get their program for my kids. So we've been using Hooked on Phonics for the past two weeks in my house. Every night we sit down. My daughter loves the storybooks. My son obviously loves the interactive and engaging app which makes learning fun he just he thinks he's playing games and i'm, I'm happy because he's learning um, he's already starting to impress his daycare teachers with all the new words that he's learned to spell can't wait to see months from now if we continue at this pace where they're going to be hooked on phonics is the learn to read curriculum that uniquely combines an amazing app with hands-on learning materials shipped to your home every month with hooked on phonics you get unlimited access to their powerful reading app along with workbooks that give your child essential hands-on practice to reinforce the skills they're building in the app Plus, you'll get the storybooks written specifically to build your child's confidence and discussion questions to increase reading comprehension. Lessons take just 20 minutes or less, and the curriculum is guaranteed to help your child learn to read. Give your child the confidence that reading brings with Hooked on Phonics. Visit hookedonphonics.com creeper and receive your first month for just $1. That's hookedonphonics.com slash creeper to get your first month of Hooked on Phonics for just $1 hookedonphonics.com slash creeper c-r-e-e-p-e-r what's up creepers let me tell you about a new way to look dope and still save money it's a new app called poshmark it's a free app where you can easily clean out your closet and sell items for cash and there are tons of cool brands on there like lululemon nike louis vuitton jordan adidas all for up to 70 percent off and what's cool if you're new to Poshmark, you can use the referral code TRUECRIMEGUYS with no spaces, and you can get $10 off your first purchase. And as I alluded to earlier, you can clean out your closet and be a seller on Poshmark as well. When you make a sale, Poshmark sends you an email with the shipping label. You tape it to the box, drop it at the post office, or schedule a pickup. Boom, you're done. It's actually a really cool idea because As you're selling your old things, you can then use that money in your Poshmark account to buy new things, right? Out with the old, in with the new. It's pretty dope. It's like, I'm not using real money. I'm just trading my things. Pretty amazing. And like I said, because you guys are True Crime Guys listeners, you can get $10 off your first purchase. Just enter the invite code TRUECRIMEGUYS with no spaces, just like our logo, when you sign up. 
That's invite code true crime guys. Oh, humans are, I mean, we, we are a product of our surroundings. In yes. Part. You look at people of the past, you know, like during the dark ages and like they were so much more, like they were excited to go watch executions. Like I, I guess a certain number of our population nowadays would, would also grab popcorn and want to go watch that. But most current day people would be scarred if they did. And I, I think less than half of people would even want to see it in the first place. Right. But back then, that was like your, your main source of entertainment. It was like, That's oh, right. somebody's being tortured today. <laughs> like, well, you didn't, you, know? you didn't get to see it on Netflix and YouTube and Hulu all the time. You know. True. You couldn't watch 10 seasons of The Walking Dead and see plenty of gore for entertainment. So you had to, you had to do that. And everyone was going to be there. You had to get what you could get, right? Yeah. And everybody was going to be there, too. It was like a, you know, it was an event. It was an event. Mm-hmm. So, and these people were famous. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like people got the, these criminals that got hung in the street. Like they were front page news for a while. People knew about this shit. It was a media frenzy. There's a lot of money involved in these executions too. I think back in the day. Right. <laughs> that was like the the old school version of canceling somebody. <laughs> oh god yeah that's like deleting that's delete culture right there bro that's right the tabloids have spoken <laughs> delete culture holy shit yeah we hopefully we never get to that Ooh. right yeah that's intense it's a good point though yeah so so for many years the, the sisters made tons of money selling booze and sex with the young girls to soldiers councilmen cops and horny villagers and in the late 1950s, one of the sisters, Carmen, would die due to cancer. So it'd be down to three. God. Then shortly after that, Maria de, de Jesus, the youngest of the sisters, would also be out of the picture. She, after 10 years of working with her sisters, had gathered 39,000 pesos and decided that she was out. However, she would be later captured or turn her, I think she turns herself in after all of this comes to light. Oh, wow. And she would come to justice, thankfully. However, she would be the only one that would uh, make it out of prison later on. Right. So we'll talk more about her. In 1963, Ramon Torres El Tepo, you know, one of the uh, one of the executioners on the farm, mm-hmm. got into an argument with uh, Jalisco cops and was shot to death inside one of the Gonzalez sisters' brothels. He's the son. He's one of their sons, Ramon. That's right. Yeah, he was uh, Carmen's son, right? The oldest, the oldest. I believe uh, so. Carmen, the sisters. Yeah, Carmen, also the one that got left in the jail while they moved. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, quite possibly the most evil of them. I'm not sure. Yeah, but yeah. I'd say she's a, a product of her upbringing. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so her son El Tepo um, was was shot, and of course the sisters are not going to let this go unpunished. Oh, no, no, no. The, yeah, so the police would close down the place, and it said that Delfino... Oh, it was Delfina. That was her son. Yep. El Tepo's, El, El, El Tepo's mother was Delfina. Um, she was in a fit of rage following her son's death and ordered Herman Gildo to track down the cops who killed her son and kill them on the spot. And, of course, this deed was done. So the cops that killed El Tepo were met with the hand of uh, mm. uh, Delfino's justice. And knowing uh, El Tepo's reputation... Those cops probably shot him because he shot at them or attacked them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. It was probably a self-defense. These cops are like, we're just trying to save our lives. We're not even trying to be super cops out here. And then now they right. got killed. Yeah, I mean, it was at one of one of the, you know, it was at Delfina's bar or uh, brothels. So I'm sure El Tepo felt like he he was running that shit. And then the cops made it, may have been like a pissing contest going on. Ah, there. that's true too. That's true too. Good point. Yeah, so let's talk about how this whole thing comes to light. And as I mentioned earlier, the House of Cards comes crumbling down. In January of 1964, they'd been on one hell of a run for a long time. Yes, they had. Running Too this long. amazingly successful venture, having brothels all over Mexico, bars, all of these um, successful businesses pumping money into their pockets. One of the Gonzalez sisters in January of 1964 um, – one of the girls from this, uh, from from one of the brothels, managed to escape from Loma de Angel through a small opening in the wall and fled. Hell yeah! Zuniga and his cronies searched for uh, this this girl named Ortega to kill her, but they could not find her throughout the countryside. Ortega managed to get a hold of her mother, and and together they went into the 
uh, into Leon, Guanato, uh, the police department to file a complaint. And as they, they got lucky in that this was um, one of the few areas, th th this station they went into, they came across a cop who was not corrupt and actually managed to, you know, just make these discoveries of what had been going on. So in the first weeks of January 1964, Catalina Ortega went to the judicial, judicial police office in Leon, Guanato, and told the unbelievable tale of what she had been a part of. Visibly shaken, scared, and showing signs of abuse and malnourishment, Catalina told the police in nearby San Pancho oh, that in nearby San Pancho, the Gonzalez sisters held a murderous concentration camp slash brothel. Um, and as I mentioned, she was in luck that the cops she talked to were not in the, on the Sinister Sisters payroll. That that could be the name for this episode. Las, po Las Pocianchis, the Sinister Sisters. The Sinister like Sisters, yeah. yeah. Good name. Um, so they, the, the police would soon get a search warrant and a, uh, an arrest warrant for the Gonzalez sisters on January 14th, 1964, they raided Loma del Angel ranch. So this was the ranch, the infamous ranch where they had yeah. been. A lot of the bodies were buried here. Yes. I think most of them, if not all. Um, and there's pictures, there's famous pictures of them being led or them leading police around the, the ranch and pointing out spots where bodies were buried. And man, they're just, they're dark. They're just, their whole vibe is so fucking evil, right? Yeah. Like these are black and white pictures, which just kind of intensified <laughs> even more because they're just all black head to toe. Yes. And like a lot of the, a lot of the police are dressed in like, you know, khaki pants and whatnot. And you just see these like witches walking around. Yeah. It has a lot to do, I guess, with the, the graininess of the photo too it just looks like something out of a horror movie just the, the yeah. dark cloudy skies the way it looks Man. like <laughs> yeah you got to check out those pictures so um so the, they're the sisters still dressed in black um were wearing shawls oh they so they were they were all dressed in black but maybe because they were still mourning el tepo's death That's this true. was just following that that police officer shooting el tepo so that could have had something to do with it I like to think that they were just always that evil looking though. <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at another picture now and they're wearing like, one's wearing a white dress and one's wearing like a light colored dress. So yeah. they, they switched it up a little. I think you're, I think you're pretty on point with the morning of the uh, morning of El Tepo's death. I think that's still going on here. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're walking the police around this ranch. Meanwhile, there's angry villagers gathered outside demanding that they be lynched for their crimes. Um, police and reporters there found a dozen emaciated and dirty women at the ranch locked in a room. And I'm sure this is where they would get a lot of the you know details of the way that these girls were being treated right. from these girls, these survivors. Um, as police and reporters explored the ranch, some of the girls pointed to spots in the ground and told them that that's where they would find the bodies. Authorities inside those holes found decompo decomposed bodies and the bones of at least 91 women, men, and fetuses. I'll just leave that sitting there for a minute. That is good God. Is insane. Yeah. Imagine just what that even looks like. 91 bodies in pits like I mean, I guess if you go back there's a lot of images from like the Holocaust and things like that that can give right. you kind of a, a mental image of it, but it's dark. It doesn't get any easier. No. No. That's never something that it gets easy to comprehend. Look at this. Yeah. I'm looking at a photo now where they're standing on the all edge that of life, a pit. All those experiences, all those you know, loved ones and everything that all those those people had. 91 people. Think about just um, the spider web of hurt, of, of pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the, that's a big rock dropped in a pond with a lot of ripples coming off. of Oh, that, dude. So. After several months of investigation, confrontation, and interrogations, the Gonzalez Valenzuela sisters were arrested and charged with kidnapping, human trafficking, and aggravated homicide. Under heavy military guard, the sisters were taken into a jail near San Francisco del Rincon. Now, keep in mind, this is they only have two sisters as of now because the one had died and the other one had left with her 39,000 pesos right. a while ago. That's right. Um, they still yeah. ain't caught up to her yet. Yeah, and they wouldn't need to capture her. She would just get afraid for her own safety because there was such a an outpouring of rage by the by the public, um, <laughs> yeah. by villagers and whatnot. That you know all of these young daughters had been taken and killed. That she was more afraid of being captured by the villagers than she was by you know getting caught by the police. Oh, of course. Yeah, they would have killed her. They would have stoned yeah. her in the streets like she did to people. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So. 
as I said, the sisters were taken to jail in San Francisco, Del Rincon. Um, but seeing as the whole town wanted to lynch the women, a judge sent them to Rapatau uh, City Jail um, just to kind of keep them safe until things played out. A week later, Maria Luisa Gonzalez Valenzuela went to a, a Mexico City police station and turned herself in, fearing being lynched. <laughs> so now they have the three living sisters in custody. Um, she thought she was immune, however. A judge had granted her immunity from the charges her sisters faced, but upon arriving in, in uh, Rapatau, she too was arrested. There began a <laughs> hectic interrogation and sensational trial of the century. The judge so, was like, ah, oh, just she, kidding. I actually didn't bang the gavel, so... It, it was never right. finalized. <laughs> right. <laughs> you believed it. You, you got you to gotta wait for that gavel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. That's so funny. Yeah. I guess it was a different... I guess it was probably a judge that wasn't even over the jurisdiction, different. right? Yeah, a different jurisdiction, yeah. probably. Had no authority or over the Or the case. judge that said that was just lying. You know, I mean, there's a lot of corruption. We to stop him from lying to a fucking evil bitch like this. So. Right. I would lie to her, too. But yeah, sure, you got immunity. I would tell her Go whatever I had to hear to get her to turn herself in. Yep. <laughs> no, turn yourself yeah, in. Going in. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah, I- I'm sending in your immunity form right now. Yeah, faxing it right yeah. over. Stamping it, stamped. Stamp it, totally stamped. Yeah, it's just got a stamp of a middle finger. <laughs> right. It's on its way. Uh, shit. Um, so thus began a scandalous tale of prostitution and murder, the most shocking in the annals of Mexican crime history. The tabloids and public couldn't get enough of the horrid details. Dozens of ex-sex workers accused, of, uh, accused the sisters of rape, murder, and extortion. I don't even think it's fair to call the, you know, the, the girls that were brought in here, they're not sex workers. They were thrusted into something they wanted nothing to do with. Right. I mean, by definition, you know, they, they were. Dozens of it, victims. Let's say dozens of victims accused the sisters of rape, murder, and extortion. There you go. Because they were all victims, <clears throat> the, no doubt. Oh, 100%. So the women accused the Pokianchis as the women were dubbed by the media. Now, they, they were dubbed the Pokianchis because this was the name of one of the bars that they had opened, I believe. Or the it was either a brothel or a bar or a combination. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, they became dubbed, uh, uh, Las Pocianchis because of this infamous brothel thing they had. Right. Um, so they were accused of dabbling in Satanism, forcing the women to practice sexual acts on animals and killing and torturing dozens of young girls and Johns. Uh, how much of that, uh, you know, this sexual acts on animals and, um, Satanism was true is, is not proven. It's, it's. You know, you know how the media can sensationalize things even further. Not that you needed to in this case. There was already enough of that. Oh, yeah. This is one of those, you know, real life is stranger than fiction type cases. Mm, yeah, you don't need to add in no. the satanic panic shit to it. No, it's no. not necessary. They didn't, they didn't need that either. <laughs> no. They, they weren't concerned about that. They were just corrupt. <clears throat> yeah, so they accused Delfina, Maria Luisa, Maria de Jesus of corruption and bribing local and state authorities who were also regulators uh, in the sisters' bars and brothels. The trial would be brief yet chaotic with plenty of um, yelling back and forth from the Gonzalez sisters and their accusers, and the judge would quickly end it by putting a sentence to the sisters for uh, 40 years in prison for the three of them, which is pretty shocking to me. It, I mean... The fact that they could have potentially gotten out, and one of them actually does get out, is yeah, that's insane. that is not justice in my opinion. You know, no, no, like no. I, I feel like if you at all are a proponent proponent for the death penalty, this is a case where it's it's justified in my opinion. Oh yeah, I mean, there's so much premeditation. I feel like in they should have just so let the people. public lynch them, dude. Once you have enough evidence where you're 100 percent convinced that you know they, they, of their guilt, they've they pointed out the spots where the bodies were, like, and there's so many. There's not one witness. There's so many witnesses that were victims to these women that yeah. that they captured, you know, that they, they they recovered from the ranch. I feel like lynching just, just feels like better justice, doesn't it, for some reason? I don't know. It does. It's like it's because their crimes were so barbaric. It's like, well, you yeah. you need a barbaric punishment as well. Cuz yeah. it just what they did was just it's unforgivable. It doesn't 40 years just doesn't even <laughs> I can't believe it's not life, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, any any um, feelings I have in regards to the uh, the death penalty or capital punishment, and any wavering I have is just for a matter of like there's a certain percentage of people who are on death row who are innocent, and we've right. learned that because of coerced confessions and all the stuff we've learned on over the course of this. We could pull out case after case of you know, and, and they say the studies show that like up to two percent or more of people on death row are innocent, and so like if you kill 
That's the only that's the only argument against it. I think when you know when it comes to certain criminals who do these heinous crimes, people like Ted Bundy, people like these sisters. Right. If you're convinced 100 percent that they they did these crimes, and I've I don't waver at all. Kill them, please. Right. Like, I mean, that's just how you I just feel, need but. evidence of one, but you have evidence of multiple with both yeah. of these people. So, yeah, yeah it's a no-brainer. It's a yeah. no-brainer. So while in jail, Delfina, the oldest sister, um, started to go crazy, fearing that she would be murdered in jail. Uh, thankfully for her, the her, she would be put out of her misery by a falling concrete bucket. Believe it or not, <laughs> oh, <laughs> on October. This is, too, this is this is another one of those things. Like you can't make this shit up. <laughs> I just refuse to believe this was an accident. Though it was not There's an no accident. <laughs> this, this is go ahead and say it's it. So this great. is hilarious. I'm sorry. It's funny because fuck this bitch. It's but it's just funny to me. It is funny. So on October 17th, which is actually coincidentally my birthday. This is a nice birthday gift before I was born. 1968. October 17th, while uh, while Delfina screamed and ranted in her cell, workers doing repairs above the cell in the uh, Rapato jail looked down to catch a glimpse of the notorious woman and accidentally, quote-unquote, dropped a bucket of cement on her head, <laughs> <No>. killing her. <laughs> no, just... Sorry. It's fucking no. funny. <laughs> hey, heads up! Oh, shit, we killed Whoops. her. Oh, ain't that that bitch right. that killed like 90 people, though? Oh, yeah. It's they accidentally, and then they yeah. high-fived. <laughs> I got her. I mean, dude, I dropped a bucket. Shit, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wonder if it was dried cement. If it's dried cement, you know it's not an accident, oh right? Oh, God, right? Right? Yeah. Oh, that's the thing. If it if it was, like, sloshing around in there, it's like, okay, maybe they maybe they dropped it, kicked it off the, uh, the, the ladder or whatever the hell, but if it was dried cement, and you did that shit on purpose. Yeah, you know, damn well. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't matter matter either way because it, it would be heavy enough, full. But oh, you'd yeah. think like if you accidentally kicked it, it would, like it would spill on the way down and maybe not be enough force to kill. Yeah, her, they but. definitely held the handle and dropped it straight. Right? They were just like right, boop, perfect clean drop where the bottom I mean, would. What hit are the you. odds? I know <laughs> cells are small, so like that's a you know yeah, it, it kind of narrows the target a bit, but still, she probably wasn't she moving just hit her directly either. in the head. That's quite a coincidence. Right? She probably wasn't like pacing back and forth. You know, she's probably just like sitting reading a book or something. Easy. And then you think dumb. about. Uh, her sister, <laughs> Maria Luisa Gonzalez Venzuela, Eva the leggy one, yeah, she went by. Um, she would coincidentally die alone in her cell at the Arapato Jail on November 19th, 1984. Her body already being eaten by rats was discovered a day later. And this is one of those where it's like, mm, you know. Eh, well, good for you, you know, whatever. Once again, coincidence. Look, they didn't find her body for a day, so no one was feeding her or nothing. I this mean, that's kind of what she gets. A month, that's some good justice. This is a month and two days after her sister was hit in the head with a concrete bucket accidentally, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, you know, there's a bit of Epstein-ness here to this. I think they just let her starve. Yeah. Oh, you think possible. you think somebody that she was working with that she could have rolled over on? I think somebody in the jail killed her. Uh, that's what okay, I'm saying. okay. You think it was a hit? Not yeah. just not just out of like this is a horrible person like not like in the way that child molesters are killed in prison. Not in I that think way. someone and and you know maybe there was like a an early day GoFundMe raised by the villagers mm-hmm. who wanted to lynch these girls that was kind of like gifted in an envelope to one of the jail uh, jail workers. Ah, well, and uh, they went in there and took care of business. Or, That's what I'm thinking. or it could be a corrupt politician or someone in law enforcement that didn't want the girls to roll over on him or her. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm well, saying? Once again, that's very Epstein as well. That Yeah, that's what I thought you meant by that. Very Epstein. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a possibility. Possibility. Yeah, so amazingly, though, one of these sisters would, would get out and go on to live her life. Maria de Jesus Gonzalez Venezuela, the youngest of the sisters, uh, would be the only one freed. And uh, it's unknown why or when she was freed, but legend has it that she met a 64-year-old man in prison, and once both were outside, they married and lived their life in obscurity, finally dying of old age in the mid-1990s. Their prisons are integrated? Yeah, apparently. She's able to meet the 64-year-old man. Maybe he came to visit her. Maybe there was visitation. Oh, yeah, maybe he wasn't being held in the prison. Yeah, Yeah, maybe it was like one of those where he started writing to her, you know, one of those type of things. Ah, yeah. That makes more sense. Or he was a guard. Who knows? Could have been a prison guard. You see that Who knows? shit all the time. a long time ago. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Pretty crazy. But, I mean, I guess if any of them got away... The one thing I'll say is she, at least, when she had her chance, got away from the sisters and away from the farm. So maybe she was not as, like, 
cool with what was going on there, but she felt like she couldn't say anything because she was the youngest for fear of her sisters. Yeah, we don't really have a whole lot of detail of the dynamics of the inner workings of the relationships of these sisters. It's quite possible that Maria, you know, only was there as long as she had to, to where she until she could get away. I don't know. Right. Yeah. So if any of them were going to get out of prison after doing their time, I'm, I'm the most okay with her, I suppose. I'm curious as to how old she was. You know, you don't really hear a lot of that, how old these sisters were. She's the youngest. She was the youngest, of, yeah. So Of three Was sisters. she, you know, in her early Four. 20s when this was going on? Or Right. Or was she even younger? Was she the age of the girls and used as a, as like a lure? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how old was she? Because if you, you're talking mm-hmm. four four girls, I mean... I would say from oldest to youngest, you got at least eight to ten years. Yeah. So if the oldest one is, you know, starting to do this stuff in her thirties, I mean, she's only twenty, most likely. Yeah. So I doubt they waited till they were thirties to start doing this shit. They were raised in it. Yeah. So she could have been a child herself through through the majority of this. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. So and so let's let, briefly touch on you know how this this body count got higher yeah uh unofficially there's 91 official but in 2002 workers clearing land for a new housing development um in guanato down the road from the notorious loma del, del angel ranch found the remains of about 20 skeletons in a pit authorities said the victims were probably buried there in the ni- uh, in the 1950s or 1960s and were most likely victims of the lo- the los pocanchianci uh, los pocanchianci's uh, um but like we said the they're sinister kinda, sisters they're kind of just saying that because of where they are but, Where they are, the uh, fact that the bodies would have been you know, put there at the time of their reign. Pretty good probability. Well. I'm going to go ahead and lean. It's probably them. It's probably honestly. them. I mean, if I if yeah. I was a betting man, I'd say it's them. <laughs> yeah. And if this is true, it raises the number of murders past the 110 number. So Yeah, which we know that. We know that already. I, I'm, yeah. And once again, at a certain point, it's like 91 versus 110, and they're both just appalling. Yeah. I mean, it's... Exactly. And, it's, and it sucks because, you know... The, each individual person was was a young girl who was loved by her family and yeah and was you know a, a, a un, unjustly you know brought in and killed for no reason so right adding a number to it doesn't make it any more sensational it's already appalling yeah, yeah. So. all right don't be don't let your armpits be appalling by the way get some oh my Gaia. that's right man but oh my guy has got your back you guys don't know what Oh My Gaia is. It's an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. And guaranteed, guys, there's a scent that you will love from vanilla to cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside, bergamot amber and we have our very own scent called true crime pine guys it has our old school podcast logo on there we've been partnered with oh my gaia for a long time guys and that's still one of my favorite scents along with barbershop um also sailor another great scent that's come out recently and if you guys uh are not into deodorants some people aren't there's also scented oil beard oil that comes in all of these scents as well so you guys got to check it out at ohmygaia.com and because you are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper for 15% off your order. That's C-R-E-E-P-E-R for 15% off your order at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram or ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A dot com. All right. So just out of curiosity, I looked up the youngest sister, uh, Maria. Okay. And she was born in 1924. They were all like in their 40s or older wow. when this was okay. going on, when they were captured so, in, this, in 1968. So she would have been 44. Just as responsible. When, yo, fuck yeah. Yeah. Well aware of what she, old enough to know what she was doing and what she was a part oh, yeah. of. So No doubt, no doubt. Good info, man. Thank you. Uh, let's, give a, let's give a big shout out to the person who suggested this case, by yeah, the way. Yeah, we should. Do you know who that is? Yes, I do. Big shout out to Alex Perez, who hit us up on Instagram and suggested the Los Pocianchis. Hell yeah. And hopefully we didn't butcher the beautiful Spanish language too bad. Um, hopefully you enjoyed our take on this case, and thank you for the suggestion. If you guys want to suggest stuff to us, you know, there's many ways, but I'd say email is the best. Yes. Um, just to send us details on what case you want covered, and 
we will always get back to you and we'll always look into it. We can't promise that we'll cover that case, but we'll, we'll consider it. That's so, right. Thank you, Alex. Sometimes timing is everything. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, all we can ex- that's all we can say, right? Sometimes it just yeah. hits us at a right time and we're, we happen to be looking for cases and then boom, there it is. Um, some fall by the wayside. So if you have suggested something and you think it's a great case for us, suggest it again because (laughs) they kind of get buried after a while. So, but we appreciate that very much guys. Thank you. All right. Anything else? Uh, yeah. yeah, Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash true crime guys, $2 a month. Get you access to that one episode that you haven't been getting to hear every month that we do exclusively for Patreon. Two bucks get you that. And all of the episodes prior to that, that we did, where you missed it. Um, I was thinking we got to bump have, up to five dollars a month. Go ahead. I was going to say we got to have somewhere around forty or forty-five Patreon episodes or something like that. I would say. Oh, at least yeah, we got to be somewhere around there. Patreon exclusives, and they're all. We were about a year into doing True Crime Guys when we started our Patreon. I think so. We've been doing it for a little over three years. Over three years. So there's at least thirty-six to forty episodes on there somewhere. Not to mention all yeah. the extra content that we have. That page, how how big are Patreon yeah. servers? How how long do they, you know? I don't know. We're testing. It. We are. We're expanding the shit out of that thing. So that yeah, because also with that two dollars a month, you get you get the whole catalog of higher thoughts that Michael did years that's ago. Right, season one, I call it. Show. <laughs> yeah, you go on a journey with him back when he lived in Southern Nevada. Yeah. Uh, you know, not far from me, and then he journeyed back to North Carolina, and a lot of that stuff is talked about on there, and the, you get episodes with. Michael and his wife, Michael and other friends, yes. and it's it's a great pullback you know, of the curtain. Smoking up and having a good time. Yeah, absolutely. You're featured on an episode. I think I released. I've been a few episodes. Uh, one episode with you, I released on the free platform, so you guys could check that out if you want to oh, yeah. get a little sample of how higher thoughts went down. We had a lot of fun with that. And then, if you wanted to bump up to the five dollar a month tier on Patreon, you get just the banter, a show that me and Michael do every Friday, where we just shoot the shit. People give us questions, we answer them. You get to know us a little bit more. Right. It's a great way to be a um, learn what our favorite foods and cars and you know more about our families and all types of stuff if you are interested in that stuff. Right, right. It's a great way to be uh, part of the conversation on a weekly basis. Um and you know, yep. it's again, it's another way to get to know get to know us hosts a little bit better. So, it's a lot of fun. And we just recorded episode 32 of 32. that. So, if you <laughs> if you become a $5 patron, you get to listen to you get a ton of content right yeah, off the bat. Yeah. Good luck we that stuff. And you get a, a very prestigious gold creep van sticker as That's well. That's right. That's the most important thing. Guard that with your life. That's Be right. careful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes well with laptops, cars, coffee mugs. Um, it fits pretty much anything. So makes it look better immediately. Yep. So yep. But if you're already a patron, check out our other show, Strange and Unexplained, uh, wherever you listen. New episodes are released on Mondays. And every fourth episode of Strange and Unexplained is a special episode I like to call Sandu Stories, where it's like, I guess like an old-time radio show. Where we do we do a little more little more production. There's voice actors. Uh, one of my favorite actors being Lorne, of course. Duh. It's audio theater. It's audio theater. You know, it's theater of the mind. That's what we call it. There we go. So every fourth episode of Sand of uh, Strange and Unexplained is a Sandu Stories episode, and it will be on Patreon exclusively starting this month. So the first, the if you want to hear me voice act as a killer, yes, you know that's the that's show. the show because <laughs> the killer always has the best and the most lines. So Lorne gets them course obviously yeah um but the first three chapters of sandu stories are available on the free platform uh strange and unexplained or you can search true crime guys in your uh podcast app and guys check out and you'll see it pop up next to yeah, us yeah exactly and um also guys check out our merch truecrimeguys.threadless.com anything true crime guys productions we got tons of designs on there uh, and there's links to everything that we plug, guys, right below the description of this episode, as well as sources uh, that we use to study. So That's there right. you go. Yep. And uh, if you don't follow us on social media yet, we're at True Crime Guys Twitter, at True Crime Guys on Instagram. We have a Facebook page. We have a closed group for Facebook uh, run by Michelle K, loyal listener. That's right. And uh, yeah, you can you can get on there and be around a bunch of other creepers and talk about the show, talk about whatever. Right. You know, whatever suits you so yeah you will be uh, brought into that into the fold yeah. of a group of creepers oh and i got what so, i got yeah. one more announcement one more announcement and then i'm then i'm gonna leave All you guys right. the true crime guys right. mixtape true crime guys killer oh, mixtape the first ever album is coming out june 18th mark it on your calendars mark it on your calendar alarm on your phone tell spotify to download it for you automatically i don't even know if it can do that but just look <laughs> for it on spotify uh it'll be everywhere itunes 
And we will continue to talk about it leading Absolutely. up to it as well for the next 13 days. Absolutely. 13 so. days, that's it? Oh, my God. It's coming. It's approaching. Yeah. I'm excited. Actually, 12 days. Sorry. It's June 6th. That's today, right. we're recording this on Sunday, June 6th. My son's birthday. Happy birthday to my son. <laughs> right. He's four today. Right on, right on. Happy birthday, so I got to wrap this up. All right. Yep. All right, guys. That's it. All right, y'all. Keep creeping. Keep creeping, guys. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making better charming. Yeah.